Welcome to the NBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the NBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. Today's intro is going to be a little unconventional. That is because the first time I reached across to today's guest, I wanted to speak to her in helping me launch my fitness business. And I think that was about three years ago. I lost touch. I forgot about it. I obviously did not launch the, uh, the fitness business I wanted to. But coincidentally, I managed to get in touch with her. Um, so today we are speaking to Ina Semenyuk. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, great. Well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, um, you know, I've spoken to a lot of MBA alumni over the years, but I swear you have one of the most interesting profiles. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Ina is currently the founder of a company called Innovation Labs. You see the wordings there? <laughs> Uh, so Ina is a marketing strategist who has worked with the likes of Facebook, Skype, eBay, Calm, a meditation app that's gaining popularity recently, uh, Starbucks, NBC Universal, Visa, and many other companies. She's the founder of SnapchatDaily.com, a blog about the best-kept Snapchat secrets for the brands. So if you want to know more about Snapchat, go there. <laughs> Uh, and Ina, Ina is a massive influencer. She's collaborated with Google, Virgin Mobile, Bloomberg, SoulCycle, and many others over the years. Ina is a former TV journalist, which I found really interesting, <laughs> uh, and a PR strategist. Uh, Ina has finished her MBA from Imperial College London. She's also an alumni of Singularity University, uh, which is based in San Francisco. Ina is originally from Russia, where she's worked as director and chief operating officer at a company called Grayling, before she moved to London for MBA and before she moved to San Francisco, where she's based right now. Ina, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Great. So, you know, how how would you like to describe your journey in your own words? You know, right from the days where you probably finished your undergraduation back in Russia. What were your thoughts and what was your vision back then, and how has that translated over the years? Yeah, I always had interest in communications and media. So even when I was a teenager, I was working for a local newspaper covering um, health uh, topics uh, like health and society. And then I tried my like at the local TV station. So I thought there has to be something um, that I will do in the future with communications because I think, you know, it is important to communicate really well, not only between people, but also for brands to communicate with um, their audiences. So I went to Moscow State University, which is the best university in Moscow. And I was really happy to be accepted because it's really hard to get through. And um, there was an option to choose your kind of field. Um, and I chose public relations because, again, I thought it was kind of um, on the intersect between the being the context for the journalists and then representing the brands and really kind of making your own uh, decisions in terms of the campaigns you can build for brands and deliver and really own the results. Mm -hmm. uh, so as I was as I was studying, I tried um, working on a TV station, which I really loved, and it was really dynamic, and you learn a lot, and you actually learn a lot um, in terms of people management and kind of how uh, how the media business works because. Imagine if you're um, 19 years old and you're working with a professional team of cameramen and then people who edit the the tapes and then 
that was back uh, in time when there were tapes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can imagine. <laughs> um, right, and you're uh, working with editors on editing the copy of your of your text. So there's a there are a lot of people involved, and you have to plan your topics and find people to interview and organize the process and film it and edit it and then do post production. So you're involved in all the elements. So that was exciting. But then I really thought I kind of loved PR and communications. And that's when I started working at um, a company called MMD and then it was Grayling. And then since then, it was really kind of uh, the roller coaster in a good way of uh, working with really exciting companies that you mentioned at the beginning. And um, as I was working with, you know, um, Facebook before they were Facebook Skype that we're speaking on right now before it was the massive company and then like Starbucks and NBC Universal we were doing all the local launches uh, in terms of communications that was really exciting and then at some point I thought I need a new challenge so um, and I really loved London which was a great coincidence (laughs) (laughs) and I thought okay I have to try and move there and it has been a challenging process um, and I definitely heard from um, some colleagues at the, at the time that, you know, you would never find a job in London because the competition is so huge. Uh, you're competing with local people, which obviously is true. And then from everyone in Europe and there's America and, you know, you're kind of <laughs> competing with everyone um, and it's a highly competitive space. But um, that I took that more of a challenge rather than um, as a, a roadblock mm. and started interviewing with companies and um, after all I moved with the same company that I was working with Um, I did find another job but I thought I already know the clients and it feels like a natural thing to do yeah so I did Um, and that was the right move Um, at some point uh, having worked in London for I think over a year I thought I felt like it was really the time to reflect on my professional um, you know, progress and also on the kind of my personal challenges and what I wanted to achieve as a next as the next step. And I started looking at uh, MBA programs because I thought this is kind of you are taking a break from work, but also but it's not like you're going traveling for 12 months, which I would love to do as well. But (laughs) I'm sure it's an awesome experience. But I chose to do an MBA because you can still learn something and then um, potentially improve your further career uh, prospect perspectives. Um, And so yeah, I looked at different universities and Imperial College stood uh, out really strongly to me. And um, what I specifically liked is that they had more of a entrepreneurial focus. So the program had a design thinking class and um, accounting and like different combinations of uh, managing a business, but from a perspective of an, an entrepreneur. And because I always had like this energy and I thought, you know, I was always working for someone else, but I always kind of was proactive about um, working with my clients and doing all the projects. So um, I feel like I was ready to learn something new. And that was a really good um, move uh, looking back right now. Um, And after the MBA, um, and we can talk a little bit about that Mm -hmm. if you like, um, but after that, I worked uh, a little longer in London and I thought, okay, where is my next challenge? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) How else can I challenge myself? And through... uh, 
because I was already in the entrepreneurial circles and I was working for um, a mobile payment and loyalty startup called Yoyo Wallet, mm-hmm. I thought um, I'm familiar and I really love the passion that entrepreneurs have and the challenges they face in terms of identifying the, the space where they want to build a business and then really consistently building it um, no matter the challenges. So. Uh, California with Silicon Valley looked like uh, a natural choice. And uh, at that point, I've heard about Singularity University, um, which is not an established university in the sense, you know, that the other universities are, but they are more of a community of exponential thinkers. And they really explain to you, like, open your mind uh, to understand that what we think is the future is actually already happening right now. And exponential technologies are uh, that are becoming, they can solve lives of billions of people and they are becoming affordable. So like money is not a problem. Mm. So they kind of really encourage you to use one of those exponential technologies like um, gene sequencing, uh, computer science, um, VR, robotics, and see how you can not only have a good business out of that, but really help people. So that was quite a mind opener, eye opener. And that, that's how I um, got to San Francisco. Yeah, fair enough. Oh my God, I have so many questions. <laughs> uh, so first thing is um, that this whole, okay, now it makes a lot more sense. So, so for you, you it was down the communication road and, and that's where your fascination towards communication began. That explains a lot of your involvement right now with some of the latest media and technology. So how was, so, so obviously this was like almost a decade ago, right? How was communication back then? And, and how how has this communication medium itself evolved over time? And where yeah. have your interests, uh, you know, been? Is, is that something that you were interested in? Or is the current way of communication, is that more appealing and interesting to you as compared to the olden world or yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah so um it's definitely different and at the at that point when i started working at um, mmd slash grayling back in moscow um, it was more of a traditional public mm. relations work so you identify the journalist you craft the right message and then you make sure that the journalist is aware of the message and you get coverage for your client so you you make sure that this whatever they want to communicate whether it's a new um tv show or a new healthcare product or whatever it is that people whom they need to reach out to get that message through the you know tv channels or publications or whatever and at that point it was more traditional but social media were just like starting mm. i remember the time when i um finally registered in facebook when i was like why is everyone sending me these lights <laughs> and uh it was mostly friends from other countries and um then that's when Facebook just started and then we got Facebook as a client a year or two, two years later. And that's when social media started emerging and I thought, okay, this is really exciting because social media give you uh, access to people directly. You don't have to, you know, be the middleman in a way that you, you don't, like you don't need a newspaper, the print newspaper, because you can reach out to whomever you want to talk to directly. And that was, you know, a, a massive difference. And I see the impact right now because in my business right now, which is a marketing agency, um, I literally focus on 
the channels that work and social media is a massive part of it. Um, and another, and the second trend is that uh, TV was massive at that point. Uh, so news, while newspapers were losing their um, volume, you know, they were not printing as many publications uh, as they were before. TV was a great medium. People love watching TV and it became like, you know, it's basically has been number one channel for many countries, whether you're looking at Russia, UK or America. And then what happened um, through these years is that we, we've moved from the traditional TV format to having vertical video on our smartphones in our pocket. So if you, the way I think about it is that it's kind of the same. It's just, it's so much more accessible and you don't have to have a massive TV and it's just always with you and you can access video content anywhere and pretty much anyone can be a creator of that content versus just a viewer. So that changed uh, a lot in the game of communications. So again, brands can connect with their audiences much more in a much more straightforward way. They don't yeah. have like they don't have to, you know, jump the hoops of other media channels in yeah, order to exactly find completely ways. agreed. Where, where where what do you like more? <laughs> uh, did you like the more traditional way of how it was or do you like the more modern communication methods more? Oh, I definitely love what's happening right now because social media are so powerful. Um, we've heard so many stories and not only, you know, new stories, but also um, you can help a charity or take part in an initiative or, you know, the I think the a lot of news that we see right now around in Silicon Valley, there are stories around se- sexual harassment, but also women empowerment mm. that all has been became possible because of the different movements and the power of social media in uh, in many ways. So I think social media has a lot of power. It has a lot of destructive power as well. So it de- really depends, you know, how you use it. Um, and as you know, you mentioned earlier, again, the Snapchat Daily website that I run, it's more of a kind of uh, an, an initiative that I love doing in addition to the day-to-day marketing work. And... Um, I love the platform because I think Snapchat has captured something that other companies that copy Snapchat right now, like Facebook and Instagram, and Instagram belongs to Facebook, um, is that they they know that the video format, this uh, vertical video, is how people communicate. A video says, you know, many more <laughs> words than, what what does the picture say, 1,000 words? Yeah, 1,000 words, video yeah. must <laughs> say a million. <laughs> so... They and they and they do it in a manner that is fun and engaging, and they cultivate the one-to-one personal relationships. They do not look at vanity metrics like likes and number mm. of people that follow you and stuff. So they are really onto something exciting. And I think platforms like Snapchat, they will be, they are competing with not with Facebook and um, Instagram and the likes but really with like netflix yeah going forward or with tv and cinema and um i mean ultimately a lot of companies right now are competing for your attention you know for your time because um you could spend some time on snapchat or you could go for a run so it's it's not only about like one-on-one uh social media comparison or competition yeah yeah 
exactly and 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 you're so right i think i think back then like even i was in india back then and and social media took on a different meaning altogether it came on the scene i, I don't know how it was in russia but in india there was a company called orkut that was mm. really popular <laughs> okay. and is and, it still there no i don't think so okay. <laughs> And that was that was before the likes of Facebook that pretty much yeah. dominated the whole world. And I think I think you're so right in terms of communication. Recently, I was having a chat with um, uh, one of my previous bosses. Right now, he's a CTO of Sazam, uh, and he was telling me how Sazam is sponsoring a TV show, right. um, which has become so popular in the US. And and he and I were uh, talking about how suddenly TV is becoming. Uh, TV is TV is becoming so secondary to what is is on the mobile phones that Sazam TV actually the show became popular because of Sazam and not the other way around. Like right. like in the uh, in the traditional way, I think if you want to sponsor something, you go on TV and you try and get audience from the TV to your app or whatever the case might be. Here it was the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, TV um, has been so popular. Well, first, because people love the visual format. Again, like you can read mm. um, a, a sentence or an article, and it's a totally different experience when you watch it on TV, uh, whether it's, you know, a movie or a news story. It you like you can see it with your own eyes, which is great. Um, and but the format is changing because we are, you know, using our phones. And um the difference, like one big difference between the traditional TV channel and what we're watching on our mobile phones is that it's much more uh, customizable. So if you were, again, TV channels were so popular because they would appeal to huge audiences. But if you are watching as a family, like if TV channel cannot really customize it a lot to your likes. Yeah. But Snapchat, for example, or Facebook or any other any other social network, um, in that space, they know you so well because we react to posts all the time, and their AI is working constantly. <laughs> it doesn't sleep; it like learns a lot about you every single second. And as we are still at the stage when we are openly sharing our data, and which is going to change in the near future, uh, very soon, we are basically trading it for the free. So, so, so to call, so to say, free service of Facebook, and they, because they know us so well, they can customize the content extremely well, and that's why the social media are so popular right now versus TV channels. You get yeah. much more value out of it, but of course, you pay the price of giving your data away, which not a lot of people kind of think about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and less. and and one of the points you mentioned was really interesting that it's. Like, like the world is changing in terms of how you consume. So, for example, a very popular line from Reed Hastings, from the, mm-hmm. the founder of Netflix, is that Netflix is competing with a bottle of wine. <laughs> right. Right. Because if you're not if you're not spending time watching Netflix, then you're probably you know having a meal, just drinking a bottle of wine with nothing in front of you. So, the way companies are looking at the market is is changing because it, it it's because the expectations are changing in the market so rapidly as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, I totally agree with that because, um, and often, you know, when you're in Silicon Valley or in San Francisco, there are a lot of startups and um, trying to identify, they have an idea of the product or service and then they try to identify like who actually needs it because often um, they come up with their idea and then they kind of research the market. 
Um, so, um, yeah, they really think about like, who are my competitors? And they usually look at the immediate competitors, something yeah. like it's obvious. But in our life, uh, we still have 24 hours a day. And then we have to divide it between sleeps and food, exercise, uh, work, and then our family. And then the remaining precious time is when where we make decisions like do we spend time on facebook do we spend time on snapchat do we meditate do we go for a run do we see our friends and go to a restaurant do we watch netflix and there are so many more like the list can go on for um hours and hours yeah <laughs> like how many more options there are so technically like if you think about it a lot of these companies are competing for our time and attention <laughs> and money so that's a much like bigger view true those who want it. true absolutely Ab- absolutely amazing cool so 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 going back in time uh so you came from russia mm-hmm. uh, to to london and you started you continued to work at grayling and yeah. that's when you decided that it's probably the right time to consider um, educating yourself on the MBA. So a few questions around that. Why MBA? Why is there anything else you considered besides the MBA? I really wanted something that will give me um, kind of either a confirmation of my uh, management experience or will challenge me to learn something new mm-hmm. and from my experience and from having friends who've done it um, MBA just looked like the right format um, again they kind of have the the most of the programs they kind of use the knowledge of generations of uh, business managers and marketeers and help you explain like how you are supposed to manage the company. So it's an amazing foundation if you want to start your own company. Um, So I have not really considered anything else because I felt like for me that format was appealing and I wanted to give it a go. I see. Interesting. So so you you started considering all the different MBA universities. What were your other considerations besides Imperial? Uh, Yeah, I looked at LSC and then um, there was another one that I cannot remember right now. But basically, I was looking at the top schools in London because um, I felt like this is London is an international capital in Europe and um, it has everything to offer from, you know, literally everything and the community is very international so um that was not a question for me i mean i looked at the international programs as well based in the u.s but um most of them have two years Mm. uh you know and they are so much more expensive so you you have to like really make a trade-off somewhere and i felt like one year um out of work uh studying was a, a good amount of time and it was yeah yeah fair enough did you consider oxford cambridge at all uh, not for MBA programs, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think um, Imperial kind of stood out from the very beginning. So uh, just because um, I've heard about it a lot before, they had more of a entrepreneurial focus and I had friends who've, who've done it already. So it, it was always like number one. And then I considered a couple of other options as well. Yeah, fair enough. How how did your expectations match with your reality of, of going into Imperial? Yeah, it was tougher, but actually in areas that I did not envisage to be tougher. (laughs) So uh, I knew that it would be hard to study and combine it with social life. And suddenly, you know, you are um, you're literally like trying to do so many things and absorb a huge amount of information. Um, But also for me, as uh, like as a person, 
don't just like stop. So I was still doing projects on the side. So I was also trying to do work, um, oh. <laughs> some work while I was studying just because I was like, I can't stop. I have to do it because I can. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of people walk into the MBA programs expecting that kind of everything will be laid out in front of you. And then you have amazing career prospects. You'll be like hired on the on the spot, and uh, you know it's an amazing community that you can tap into. Um, what it is, and I'm sure different people have different experiences, so I'm talking about mine. Um, and basically, any pro any MBA program and Imperial specifically, they offer you tools. You know, they offer you processes, um, and it's up to you what how you use your tool those tools and how you like craft your future career so like no one's gonna place you you know in the future job you still have to work hard for it right mm, yeah and uh, and during the program you're giving those tools to understand uh not only your like the level of, of your current experience and obviously you learn a lot so you that's the whole point uh but also you're you're giving tools to understand like what's your uh, social profile and where your skills are, like where your where your skill set is, like where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. So in my case, uh, it confirmed certain things that I like to work with people. And uh, basically, it like I thought, okay, I have to be in marketing or in in a in a startup or something. Uh, Maybe in a slightly different role. So I was working towards understanding the other aspects of the business better, such as accounting, which was a really hard thing for me. Um, and then on another note, uh, because the community is so international and you're basically dealing with like people from 90 people from, uh, in our program, uh, from different countries mm. all over the world, it's an amazing opportunity to make new friends, but also it does open, um, you have to come in with an open mind because you're dealing with lots of different cultures. And I think that's a valuable, probably one of the most valuable learnings because if you are just thinking, you know, um, if you have your own way and you do not open your mind and try to see other person's perspective, you do not learn. And if you want to work in an international company, you have to be learning all the time and you have to pay attention to how do people from different countries see the same problem. Um, or like how the, how do they approach solving it? So it was definitely you know an exciting and challenging time to combine all those things and like trying to be great at all those things. Yeah, uh, it was very hard and not not much sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can really imagine. I mean, first of all, Imperial is a one year course, so you know it's 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 hard by design. And if you right. pick side projects, you know, to do along with it, it must be crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, I mean, you really should, um, if I was to go back and change anything, mm-hmm. I would focus more on, like, I wouldn't ident- identify certain parts of the program that appeal to me more. Um, but that's kind of, you can't always see that, you know, when yeah, you're looking there. Back. <laughs> <laughs> looking back, yeah. So um, not being afraid to focus on one thing rather than trying to do a few things so if you feel like uh if someone's listening to um this podcast right now and they're thinking like where do i spend my time they should not be afraid to picking one thing uh if they if they really feel that they want to focus on those few subjects and study 
then they should do that. Even if the social life is suffering, if their objective is to really boost their international community and make new friends while getting a boost of their knowledge and business, then they should focus on that. So I think sometimes um, it might feel scary just to focus on one thing because culturally, like everyone is encouraging us to do more, you know, be everywhere, like attend everything and, you know, be everything to everyone, which not is not you know, going to lead you to, you know, just going to exhaust you basically. Yeah. While when you're really focusing on one thing, you can do really well in that thing. So get, getting more focus uh, while you're doing the MBA is definitely helpful. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And, and you know, it's, it's how you were saying, it's, it's a fear of missing out, right? Sometimes when you have too many yeah. things in front of you, you just want to grab at everything. <laughs> um, and it's instead natural, of being focused. you know, and yeah, and it depends, of course, if someone, um, so I was, a, I was already living in London, so I had my friends there and mm. I had to combine that, <laughs> my studies and new friends with my um, existing friends. So that was even harder. But then if you're coming from another country and that's your one year in this beautiful city, then, you know, you're, you're, you're challenged even more because you want to explore. So it's, it's, it's challenging and really you have to like pick your battles or pick your focus. Yeah, exactly. No, completely agreed. And, and the point that you made about the career as well, like when, when you go into an MBA, sometimes people tend to forget that everything will not come on a silver platter for you. Sometimes you just have to work for it. Uh, So that's another valuable lesson as well, I guess. (laughs) Definitely. And, um, again, um, most of the MBA programs, they do have a career service team. So, uh, you can take advantage of that opportunity and really understand where your strengths are and um, really prepare better for interviews, uh, assuming you're really good in, in your job already <laughs> and you're learning a lot. So they really can boost your confidence and train you to do better at interviews because it, it is equally important. You know, that's how you get the job based on an interview. Um, and then keeping the job is the other uh, question. Yeah, that is based on your expertise. But I think um, the times have changed in such a way that MBA does not give you this does not guarantee you amazing career opportunities. And it's an important point to talk about because you might be down a few, you know, uh, like a certain amount of money, depending where you decide to do your MBA, you spend money on living, you know, living costs. And then you kind of expect that suddenly you will have this amazing job that will pay off your this student MBA debt if you you know borrow money or you will start earning money again. It's not guaranteed, and there's still a lot of competition, and it's um, something that you, you know everyone has to understand that you really can take advantage of the MBA program and get where you want to be, but you still have to do it. No one's gonna just guarantee you placement in Google. Although we had a lot of connections, like the Imperial College has a lot of connections um, in Google, for example, and they organize like events and you could meet other alumni from Google and they could recommend you for a job. So that definitely makes life your life easier. But you just have to take the most, take advantage of everything the program offers in order to compete in the market. Um, and in certain in certain uh, spheres, I, I've heard that people are kind of looking down on MBA people saying that, you know, we're too 
theoretical, but I think it's just down to um, the kind of former programs, which were more for financial services or consulting companies, and everyone wanted to work in consulting firms, while Imperial MBA was really like entrepreneurial and practical in many senses. Yeah, exactly. No, I, th- that's one of the questions I want to get to at some point of time because now that you're in San Francisco and, and I think that's one of the areas where MBAs are sometimes looked at it in a slightly skeptical manner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would love to come to that. Um, but before we get there, um, I was really keen to understand. So now you obviously, you know, communication is where your passion was your interest was Um, but then you took up imperial college because had a good focus on entrepreneurship so talking about career specifically as you were entering the mba and also maybe during your mba is there a particular career option that you thought will be a good idea to go right after your mba and how did that journey work um i kind of i was um walking into my mba program with an expectation to understand better what I want next. And actually a lot of people in our program, they were in kind of similar boat trying to see, they were already like at a certain level in their careers and in their lives. And they were like, okay, what should I do next? <laughs> I hope someone <laughs> will help me understand and improve my career options and um, really like help me see where I can go going forward. Um, so that was my situation. And I was like, okay, I've done a lot of things. I worked on TV. I worked in traditional PR agency. Um, I have been, I had a few ideas, um, in terms of the businesses that could work, uh, more in the wellness space. And I thought mm. I was kind of using this as a testing ground. Like, do I have that entrepreneur, you know, passion and, um, stamina and knowledge so I was kind of like testing my entrepreneurial ability, if you want. And I played it, I guess I played it safe after the MBA and I went to work for um, another uh, communications agency here in London. And then I thought, you know what, I really want to move to US and try and see like, set up my business and give that a go. Yeah, and that's what I did. So looking back, what would have prompted you to take that move earlier? Um, I think it's for my for me, I think it was it, everything was had a good timing. Mm. So I don't think I would change anything really uh, because everything happens at the right time and we can't always rush things. Yeah. So at the point when I was ready to um, go do the program at Singularity University. And then I felt like California and San Francisco had the right environment for what I could offer. It was just looking like all the pieces were coming together, mm. you know, and because I met, um, I met Singularity University people at different events in London here and there. And then I was like, what's that program? Why are all those speakers so exciting <laughs> and talking about this really exciting uh, things called exponential technologies? And um, at the same time, I worked for startups. And of course, there are lots of startups and tech companies in San Francisco and uh, the Bay Area. So it was just, it felt like the right moment. And 
I just did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. fair enough. So, so uh, maybe I missed the journey earlier on, but did you go to the US just to uh, uh, do the course at Singularity University and then you happened to start your business? Like what came first? Um, I did the Singularity University course and um, it's only one week, but it's uh, mm. a packed uh, week. You literally have like no sleep and um, learn a lot. Um, and it's also a big program. So it's kind of like a mini MBA if you want, but with a focus on exponential technologies. And it's also very international. And uh, it's slightly um, the community, the group that we had um, is slightly older. So people would be in their like VP positions or C-suite and they would either have their companies or work for big corporations where they wanted to bring innovation. So kind of singular, um, Singularity University was more like a test bed. So I wanted to see what the market really is there and then decide whether that was the right move. And um, I was to, you know, I traveled to California before, but it's always different when you go as a tourist. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is really interesting. I've never heard of Singularity University before, um, but now I'm on the website and it's it's really fascinating. I can see Reid Hoffman and some of these guys have also been past participants. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like Ashton Kutcher did that, and lots of other kind of tech celebrities and celebrities did that. And um, I, it, it's kind of like a secret society for, for those who know. <laughs> not um, secret anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And there are lots of international chapters. There is a chapter in London. There is a chapter in South America and Europe and Scandinavian markets, in Ukraine, in, in Moscow. So they, they have like New Zealand and Australia. So like it's very international. And what I liked about that is that if we're talking in – if you're in London and we're talking about self-driving cars mm. or if I'm talking to my parents about that, like it's so in the future. Mm. Or if you're talking about um, identifying, you know, doing uh, gene sequencing and identifying your health risks or if you have a partner, you can analyze your genes and see if how healthy your baby can be without even before, mm. you know, you even get pregnant it kind of sounds weird and you're thinking, okay, there are movies about that. And, you know, I understand that it's going to happen at some point, but no one's going to be like, we are going to be driving cars right now. And Uber is doing great, but actually there are self-driving Ubers in San Francisco or in other markets in, in other States in, in the U S or people are actually taking um, genetic tests casually just because they can. And it's happening here with the use of exponential technologies and it was mind-blowing and it did definitely changed kind of my perspective it's almost like you know you're doing levels like mba has given uh, me better understanding of the business and the structure and other aspects of managing business and then singularity university was digging deeper because it's not about how you manage your business it's about what business to focus on and what's going to change the world in the next, you know, 10 years or even sooner. Yeah, I can really imagine. I'm really fascinated. I think I'm, I think I'm just going to continue digging into it and maybe see if there are 
something I might be interested in. My, I, I'm fascinated by the whole concept of AI and machine learning. My wife is spooked out. She just doesn't like it. She, <laughs> she, she hates this idea of something else taking control. <laughs> Absolutely. But think about if, you, if you're talking about uh, self-driving cars, um, how many lives will be saved because um, the amount of people that die every year just from car accidents is absolutely crazy. Correct. And how um, AI can be trained to identify tumors in the scans so much better than doctors, and you eliminate mistakes, you know, in diagnosis. So there, are, they, these are just some of the examples, but there are many more examples how you know that can improve our lives for the better. And that's why Singularity focuses on exponential tech and solving like lives of billions of people they're not talking about thousands of people yeah they really want to make a huge impact correct i completely agree you know i i think i think but i think that's the problem with um, the adoption concept in general right because as humans we we think that just because we have control it'll be far better but statistically speaking right. it is not but you know when when you're thinking of it you're like no i'm a safe driver it's others who are crazy out there but it's it's other thing the whole population if they think like that um i think that's where there'll be challenges of adoption but it's really good to see that there are approaches out there to try and take care of that as well (laughs) absolutely and we also as human beings have um, a negative bias Mm. so we are biased towards negative news and that's why that's why the, that's what the media business is exploding um, still. People love listening or watching negative news. We are hooked on negative news much more than on the positive news. So it's only natural that we're skeptical of the technologies that are eventually will improve our lives so much and make them so much better. Correct. Correct. Absolutely agreed. And this this is quite pricey, isn't it? The Singularity University is like fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars for just one week. Uh, yes. However, they have. Um, I think they will be doing a different program for um, different types of programs for next year. Um, but in the previous years, um, in addition to the executive program, which I've attended, they also had Global Solutions Program, which is a summer program, like two and a half months. And before it was um, more expensive than executive program, naturally, because it was two and a half months. But in the past few years, it was sponsored by Google and other companies. And if you do get in, you get in for free. And you basically, you live on campus, you study for two and a half months, you join um, a, a startup, a company there uh, that you're working on for during those two, two and a half months. So, you know, you you're fed, <laughs> you have yeah. food, so you're not spending anything and you're getting enormous um, experience. So with that, that was an excellent option because I know that some of my friends were looking to get into the Global Solutions Program before it was sponsored um, and all the fees were waived um, and that, yeah, that was expensive. Yeah. So you, yeah. you have to, you know, be really confident that you, you, you want to be working in that space. Absolutely. No, I'm really fascinated. I think I'm going to try for next year. Let, let me continue exploring. I've never been to Silicon Valley as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can use it as an excuse. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to. And they organize a lot of visits to different companies and stuff. So um, you kind of, you get an immersion. I can, I can really imagine. I mean, I mean, looking back now that you've done this and you've done an MBA, would you have reconsidered your decision of doing an MBA and rather done more such courses? <laughs> 
Um, I think um, kind of for me, it worked the way it worked. Um, and really, it was like the right kind of progression and the right time. Um, it also kind of living in America kind of really gives you this confidence that you can achieve anything. Mm. Um, you do not really need an MBA to achieve what you want. But if you feel like it's going to help you, then and if you can do that, then you should definitely do it. So we often debated um, during the program, and I think it's debated like everywhere, uh, anywhere else. Uh, can you? Are you? A, are you born an entrepreneur, <laughs> or can you? Can someone teach you to be an entrepreneur? Like, is there a gene? <laughs> um, and there's no definitive answers. Like, really, what you make of it? If you think that you are not a naturally born entrepreneur, and I think what many people actually mean by that is that if you do not have a lot, a lot of resilience and if you're not comfortable with uncertainty, which entrepreneurs are dealing uh, with literally every day, then maybe that's not, you know, your kind of journey. But if you feel like, okay, I have not been an entrepreneur so far. I do feel uncomfortable with uncertainty. Uh, I'm not sure about my resilience, but I really want to learn and give it a go. Um, and you're really committed to it. Anything is possible. So you don't have to do an MBA, but if you feel that it's going to help you, I, I wouldn't see why one wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a really interesting uh, perspective. So, so now that you're in the US and and you have been in London and you also be mm -hmm. in Russia, so I, I can tell you my views and then you can tell me mm -hmm. what your views are. I I still feel like I'm in London right now and I still mm -hmm. feel that um, the startup community or you know the ecosystem it is still very conservative and I mm -hmm. think it needs to break out a little bit more to to make bigger impact in terms of startup space like how it's in the US. What are, what are your thoughts on comparison between uh, entrepreneurship and startup in London as, as compared to now that you're seeing it in San Francisco? Uh, it's interesting that you made an observation about um, the, the startup community in London being conservative because that was my feeling as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> While in, um, and I think that's a lot to do with um, the culture of the country. Mm. Um, so in the United States, that's, you know, whatever you see, like in Silicon Valley uh, episodes or whatever people generally think about American, American dream, I think it's, in, in my experience, it's true. Because um, what really fascinates me about people in America and specifically in San Francisco as well, how friendly and open-minded everyone is and how welcoming everyone is. Um, if you are in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, it kind of means that you made it like you basically have been selected in one way or another because you can do stuff like you can make it happen. Uh, so people are very open, very open-minded uh, and really just work hard and focus on, you know, their business. So there are a lot of, a lot less destructions. And mm. if you compare it to London and also a lot more inclusivity in my opinion um, and from my experience. So you're, it's much more easier, like doors that are much more open. It's much more easier to approach um, anyone, you know, whom you potentially would like to connect with. There are a lot of talks and events where 
you know, there are really like no barriers between audience and the speakers. So that's because uh, people really want to meet others because for investors, that's how they discover startups. And, you know, the word of mouth, if you are looking for um, a your CTO, you know, you're likely to find him or her through your community. Mm. So, and and it, and it is a small community. So people, are, in my opinion, are very open-minded um, and very open, and in, like it's quite inclusive. Yeah, that's interesting. On the other hand, there's also the risk of being in a bubble, right? Being being in an environment mm. where you don't know if what you're building has a real impact on the mass population, right? So that's the other risk, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think here um, in, in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, people are really helping each other because you are, like different startups are feeding from each other because of the innovation that mm. is basically happening uh, in Silicon Valley. So that while there might be bubble and there are a few examples, not only like bubble in terms of the startup market, but also in terms of ideas, you know? And uh, so if you look at Juicero, which is an example, uh, which is a startup, which basically sold you a machine where, which squeezed juice out of pocket, out of packet, you know, and a lot of people, this is a startup went bust. And a lot of people were saying like, this is ridiculous. This is Silicon Valley at its worst, it's worse because who can it's really expensive it's basically catering ultra premium market um and it's just stupid because you can squeeze your juice yourself if you really want to it doesn't require like a few hundred dollars um maintenance every every week so that's an example of something that is (laughs) you know like (laughs) probably what you're calling a bubble in terms of like the ideas yeah that's true but i i i I do agree that it's it's a lot more open i i think that's the difference i found because i was working in a startup once and we were trying to raise money and that's when i discovered the challenges of working in the in uk um because Mm -hmm. they were very similar companies based in u.s some of them in new york some of them in san francisco Mm -hmm. and they used to get like massive rounds of funding and there was this company in London that was doing very similar, but there were no investors at all. So it's really yeah. interesting about the differences. Definitely. People, um, especially if, if we talk about um, investors, are basically, you can call them like crazy optimists. And Peter Diamandis, who is the one of the founders of Singularity University, a lot, he's often called like this crazy optimistic person. Um, that's because if you're always pessimistic, innovation and progress will not happen Mm. at some point you have to believe that this will work and no one would imagine that you can you can like get into strangers cars and strangers would drive you around uh and then if you're like and we're using uber right now like every day and moreover we're using uber pool so we're riding with total strangers (laughs) with a strange driver no one would ever imagine that you would pay someone and sleep on their couch correct and then couch surfing kind of um started uh, happening and then now we have airbnb and it's a massive business so you know things like that like yes we would never imagine that but this is this is happening and all this um you know video calls um video call technology 
that was only like displayed as a future thing in the movies how many video apps are there right now and like you can call anyone on the video in fact like my cell phone right now i have google pixel it has it doesn't have a sim card because i use google net like i use google fi which is a project Hmm. when they tap into other networks and i can use my internet at exactly the same price internationally as i use in san francisco without a sim card when i learned about it like blew my mind and i'm like this is this is happening and that's exactly what i would not even imagine happening um if i lived elsewhere i would not even know about it that's possible amazing how 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 did you get hold of that project (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's you know you you go to project fi fi um and and you know you sign up so they oh so it's you get open a, you get oh yeah it's like anyone can sign up you get uh-huh. a um it's like signing up for three right or, you know, right right or gift gaff or anything like that in the uk uh and yeah you you get a number or you can transfer your existing number and yeah, and then they have an app, and you're like in total control of your data, um, of the, I mean, of the data you use, and like how it rolls over, and all those kind of things. So yeah, it's it's incredible, and not a lot of people know about it yeah. here in Valley. So interesting, yeah, very interesting. I'm going to try it, and and I, I'm not sure how Apple deals with this. I think that's probably another reason why Android is a pretty good option sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you can use it with other devices but i'm not entirely sure this is something you know <laughs> you can look up because i i just loved google pixel and um i got it with project five store so because it it works together perfectly well yeah absolutely fantastic cool so so um talking about the uh, the present situation right now so you're running innovation labs at the moment so yeah. is this something you're doing just by yourself or do you have a team or how, how does that work um i do it by myself and i have a co-founder who's based in switzerland and he's more he's focusing more on um startup uh, advice and startup strategies while i'm focusing on uh, marketing communication strategies which are often uh, delivered through social media and content marketing um and really basically identifying where your audience is and how you can we can reach out to this audience and with with, with what message um so we're still like small and nimble and um as since i moved to san francisco it's been a learning curve for me which i'm really happy about is that doing less by doing less you're doing more so by going slower you're actually doing a better job and um partly i mean a big part of it is um that I started meditating with um, Calm, that is one of my clients, and you're really just focusing on the right things. And I'm not necessarily keen on, you know, growing super fast mm-hmm. because I want to use this as a learning curve and see what companies really need and then what really works, so that I could constantly offer better service to my clients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being surrounded by a lot of these latest technologies in Silicon Valley, have you ever considered maybe starting a product or creating a product or a service yourself uh, instead of, you know, helping on the marketing or consulting yeah. side? Yes, um, I have. And again, with the person, um, Frederick, who is my co-founder, mm-hmm. we have 
tried um, starting a project called Wondercard mm -hmm. before, uh, where you basically would sign up for a fee and then you would get um, access to different perks with places like yoga retreats and hotels and stuff like that. So we wanted to encourage people to do more wellness travel. Um, and we were not going to charge any commissions and stuff like that. And it has been a different, um, in, like new experience. So I started doing that when I was in London and carried on, um, a little bit longer. And then I thought this is definitely exciting. And then I just thought my skills at that point were really good for, helping companies communicate what their story to their audiences. So basically I tried kind of both. And right now in this time and place, I think I'm doing the right thing for me. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Great. Great to hear. So, so maybe the next time we speak, you might be working on something completely different. <laughs> It's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Perfect. Um, we've covered a lot of things now. Um, one, one thing I wanted to understand is, I think you did answer this a little bit, but, you know, looking back, how, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, maybe somewhere along the journey, is there something you you might have done differently along the way as, as what you know, what you know right now? I think that I would definitely tell myself to be even more brave and dream even bigger <laughs> and not be afraid of doing that. Because um, I think the majority of people, uh, we have doubts in ourselves. Uh, and it, a lot of it depends on the culture you're brought up with and on you know, your family situation. My parents have always been encouraging me to move further, like do next the next big thing. And um, I'm really grateful for their support um, from when I was a, a young uh, kid. So yeah, I would just tell myself, like, don't hold back, just be yourself and dream big and, and do it. Because everything is possible, really. And it's a matter of, like, no one's going to give it to us on the golden plate, you know, but and and you might see some people as lucky, but usually what, if you really watch this person who is really lucky, is that, or successful, depends how you define that, um, what's more important for you. But often you will see that they just work really smart um, and they are consistent in what they do and they are resilient. They do not break down whenever there are challenges. They literally pick themselves up and can keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair point. Is there some specific point of time that you would have said that to yourself, like maybe um, while you were in Russia or while you were in London or, <laughs> yeah, is there any specific time where you think you spent more than you should have in terms of investment and time? Um, I think I've always been the person and that was an advantage when I was working for um, public relations agencies that um, I had to switch it up between different clients and I had to like multitask and I would definitely, you know, if I had to change it or do it again, I would again, choose like more focus, do less stuff, but do more for, you know, for a particular client or like achieve even better results. So that would be kind of my next thing but i i don't think i would kind of you, you can always push yourself harder but i think again during my journey i was doing that and i often had friends asking me like 
why would you move from your family? Why would you move countries? All your friends are here. And <laughs> isn't it scary? Is, can, can you like pack your life in a suitcase and go? And yes, it is scary, <laughs> but it is also exciting. And it does open a lot more opportunities if you are brave enough to take them. Um, and I'm certainly happy and I feel blessed that I found strength and courage to do that every time I did that. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Great one. Um, <laughs> very close to the end. Uh, one question which I asked most guests and I'm going to ask you is, what is the one thing you wish I had asked you? Hmm. That is a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've discussed so many things. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm sorry. It's a boring answer. Um, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think we've, we spoke we spoke about a lot of things and I hope that um, whoever's listening to the podcast, they got some inspiration and um, power and energy and confidence to move with their, either whether it's a, an MBA program or they decide not to do it. I hope that it will work out for them. Yeah, yeah. Alternatively, you know, what, what is what is the one piece of advice you want to leave off to those people who are, you know, considering doing an MBA or maybe have thought about it sometime in the past or, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe there could be a different point of time in the journey as, as you might have seen over time. What is the one piece of advice you think you would want to leave off with? <laughs> I think it, that would be whether they're doing MBA or not doing MBA or whatever path they are choosing they just have to trust their senses and they have to trust that it will work out and just work hard and be consistent and resilient during their journey i think that that's what you know i think is really important and basically as simple as it sounds being yourself really pays off <laughs> Absolutely. No, completely, completely agree with that. You know, this has been fantastic. Thanks a lot for your time. We really appreciate it. How, how do people know more about you? How can they get in touch with you? Um, I'm Innovation with A as my name, as you <laughs> mentioned at the beginning uh, of our chat on social media. Um, you can also go to uh, inaseminuk.com or find me on LinkedIn or go to innovationlabs.com or snapchatdaily.com. All those platforms, they are interconnected and you can find more information you know, um, about me or connect with me through one of those platforms. Absolutely. No, I'll, I'll link all those in the show notes. And, and your Instagram feed was amazing. Oh, I, I, was, I was just going through it and it was like nice and sunny photographs. <laughs> need to post more. <laughs> uh, you know, you get busy, but um, I definitely enjoy um, the environment of California. Yeah, I can, I can really imagine. It's way better than mine. I, I have zero. I don't even have an Instagram account. I feel really bad now. <laughs> Good for you. You're not, you know, you can focus on other things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It has been fantastic. What time is it? I think it's like really late for you now. Isn't it 11 p.m. or something? Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. But that's okay. <laughs> that's what you do. Don't you? Yeah, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, I hope that uh, it was fun for everyone and inspirational. And if anyone has questions, yep, just hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, and I mean, it was great to chat to you. Thank you. Same here. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to thembajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.